Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66. Hello, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, in honor of Life Day and all the other various holidays that are right upon us, we will be talking about Star Wars Life Day Treasury by Kevin Scott and George Mann. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and of course with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you, Chad. Your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this delightful little tome of tales, so if that bothers you, you have been warned. We're also going to maybe discuss anything else Star Wars that comes along in our conversation. So you've been warned about that, too. Uh, Ryan, news. Well, besides the book of Boba Fett, which continues to dominate with clips and TV spots and this and that, we did get some new book of Boba Fett toys that they have announced um, a couple of black series figures you know we talked about this before so hasbro is putting out the what they have labeled as the book of boba fett deluxe boba fett figure which is him and the new armor that he's repainted you know except it's not the costume from book of boba fett it's the costume from the end of the mandalorian and it says throne room on the box and there's no throne and it's a 30 something dollar figure hasbro's got to get over themselves with this stuff i know they probably already had it made whatever but was that vintage line you said that's black series they announced today Hmm. well and then crazily they showed the vintage series uh they showed a fennec and a book of boba fett fett and he's in the right costume and like looks a lot better so yeah i got an email about i got an email with those today as did i along with my trapper wolf in the mail today yeah you just got it today i got mine like last week i don't know i got mine today I've had mine for months. Yeah, yeah, you're fancy. Uh, in other toy news, it will be our last update on the Rancor. It <laughs> failed. Wah, wah, wah. They really had like a push at the end. Do I believe all those numbers that were being pushed up in those last couple of hours? Absolutely not. Like they fell short of, it was about like 480, I think, um, backers that they needed. Hasbro really hasn't said much about it. Like they kind of sent out an email and they were like, oh, it didn't make it. You know, we like to try to do these things, but there hasn't been any kind of them talking about it yet. Um, Why would they? They're just going to kind of ignore it. I guess so. (laughs) My guess is next time, you know, Pulse does these live streams. They're doing a Marvel one this week, but the next Star Wars one, they're going to have to say something about it because this was a pretty big failure. Um, Did Galactus get? Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. Yeah, every, the the proton pack they just put out, it like tripled the amount. Like it's crazy how many proton packs. Yeah, it actually comes with Bill, a cameo by Bill Murray now. <laughs> it doesn't even come with a wand. You had to buy the wand separately, and they were able to what? sell like twenty one thousand of them for four hundred bucks. That's really ridiculous. Cool. Yeah, you got to buy the wand separate. It's another hundred and thirty or forty bucks. Why worry? Each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. It's so nice, though. Let's see. In other news, Return of the Jedi has been selected this year to enter the National Film Registry. It joins the other two of the original trilogy. 
it's always fun to watch because they don't announce which version of the movie is being put into the registry (laughs) and people just lose their minds because you know it always goes around the rumor is that they won't give them an original cut of it that it's the special editions that's being put into the film registry and obviously people are not too pumped about that In book news, Mission to Disaster, the Ireland book, you know, which is the middle grade, the first middle grade High Republic book of the next wave, um, has been delayed a month. So it's supposed to be out. It was supposed to be out January 4th. It comes out February 1st now. Ireland didn't really say why, just that they've decided to delay it a little bit, which I'm okay with. I mean, I'm you know going to read the adult book first. Yeah, it was supposed to come out with Fallen Star. Right? Yeah, so you're telling me I need to find a new mini topic for that episode. Yes. Yeah, pretty much, because <laughs> they have delayed that book. Uh, other book news, uh, that Darth Maul book, uh, Death Trooper, and the X-Wing, that, uh, was it, like Kaido's Trap, those are going to be the next of the fancy books. I forgot what they're calling them. You know, where they put the legacies out with the sweet covers. Apparently that program is going really well. They keep doing it with books I still have. I still have all those books. So it's yeah. just like they, I was like, put it for books I don't have anymore. <laughs> I just looked over my shelf at the things you said. What did you say? Shadow Hunter? Uh, yeah. Shadow Hunter, Death Troopers. And, okay. Uh, I don't have Death Troopers anymore, but I have it in storage. They look so nice. Like I even look at them. And I'm like, I own that book, but I might want that cover. I almost bought the Darth uh, Bane ones because they were badass, but I was like, I have my hardcover still. <laughs> And then our last bit of news at the Game Awards, they released a trailer. Now, it is not gameplay, but of this Eclipse game. Ooh, buddy, it looks good. Um, I don't know what it is, but it looks good. (laughs) So there was a leak. Somebody's leaking stuff right now. I leaked a couple of days ago, some of the stuff. And, you know, now this game is way far out. Like, they are very clear that this game is not coming out for years. So you're also telling me I have to buy a new console. It will only be for next gen. They have said that. It takes place in the High Republic, but it has been somewhat clarified. If you watch the trailer, I mean, there's a battle droid controller ship in it. There's there some is, yeah. look like V-Wings almost. Um, and they have said this takes place more towards the Phantom Menace. So it's still High Republic, but towards the end. So I'm thinking that Acolyte period. Yeah, They're going to go to a separate park kind of towards the Unknown Region. So you're going to get a lot of new aliens and new locations. They are saying it's an open world concept and the game's not linear. And that they are looking at Last of Us for kind of inspiration. Oh. Which, from what they've also said coming from developers, apparently this quantum dream people that make this, from what I have read, is a very toxic work environment. <laughs> and yeah. so they're having problems with developers because I guess this company, and I've never played their games, but they're more of those like, choose your own adventure, I guess is the best way to <laughs> explain them. But because this is like a combo of that and action adventure, they're having to like use a Montreal studio too. And like, it's a whole to do. I hope that this isn't one of those games that we see really awesome stuff for and then never ever get to play because it just falls to pieces you know we'll see that's all i got for the news this evening well on the comic book front speaking of life day we have the life day special number one written by kevin scott justina ireland steve orlando and jody hauser 
it's just a it's um much like the Life Day Treasury. It's several tales of Life Day, but these are framed by Han and Chewie fighting for their lives and then like flashing back. But it takes place after Jedi and after Han has lost the Falcon. And I want to know when exactly did he lose the Falcon and how? Because please tell that story because I really don't like Falconless Han. And I, I the idea that he doesn't have it for decades really bugs me. Yeah, it does seem odd. It's just strange. Uh, Crimson Rain number one has finally hit by Sewell and Cummings. Um, I'm not going to spoil much of it, but I will say I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, and the big news is Prince Skizor is officially been canonized. <laughs> Let the sexual predation begin. That's Dash and the Prince. Like, we are getting close. Now, he was not in the in the issue. He was only name-checked by another Falleen, but he is apparently still the leader of Black Sun. Uh, I, I, listen, we don't know what the character is actually going to be like, even if we ever see him. That's, you know, who knows what he'll be like this time. Uh, Star Wars 19 by Sewell and Castiello uh, finds Luke going on a little pilgrimage to Jedi holy sites around the galaxy to try to find something to help him grow as a Jedi. And he kind of does, but still, he's kind of lost right now. High Republic number 12 by Scott and Jaunty documents Avar Chris's quest to find the Nihil homeworld. Uh, they're actually making a big push. Like they, they've got a path drive and they're going to the Nihil homeworld. So maybe we are right that the end of phase one will end with the end of the Nihil. No, Skier is still not doing very well, but I'm going to be honest with you. Neither is the Marshal. She's kind of cracking too. Higher public's about to get real dark, I think. <laughs> like yeah. just in general, <laughs> everything real is dark? about to get Did real Did you see what happened to Logan Great Storm? <laughs> I, I think that's only the beginning. Yeah, I do too. And then we have finally High Republic Adventures Annual uh, for 2021. This is five stories by the five High Republic writers by Sewell, Ireland, Scott, Gray, and Older. Um, We get to see it. So it's just five different stories that take place in the High Republic, you know, very annual style. We get to see a not at all turn to Ash Loden Gradestorm with his uh, Padawan. We get to see a a Padawan Vernestra, a Geode, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It's just kind of a uh, just little five stories. But I thought it was really neat that they got the five High Republic writers to all contribute a story. That's probably the first Claudia Gray comic book, if I had to guess. But uh, that's all for the funny pages. So we're jumping back in for some breaking news that happened while we were recording. Hasbro has released the holiday Star Wars figures for 2021. Oh my. And oh boy, are they garbage. (laughs) Good Lord. So they're going to do six figures this year. If you saw these last year, Hasbro and their cheap selves like to take a figure and repaint it for holiday action. So we are going to get a scout trooper who's like red and green and comes with a little Grogu in a holiday sack. And he has like a crappy Grogu painted sweater on him. It's awful. They have the holiday edition Stormtrooper who comes with a mouse droid that is red and green. Now it is kind of clever. They have a, uh, his gun is painted like a Nerf blaster, which is kind of funny. And then we have, let's get to the other ones. I'll save the best one for last. They have the Holiday Protocol droid, which appears to just be a C-3PO with a white face, with a red body, and a 
scarf for some reason. <laughs> and then we have the holiday Mandalorian warrior who has a holiday Mandalorian sweater and is red and green and comes with the little animal from Jedi Outcast who's white. And then the only one that I may be interested in, they do have the holiday edition wiki, which we talked about. All right, this one's kind of cool. It is a all-white Chewbacca with blue hands, so he kind of looks like the Abominable Snowman, and he comes with a little white porg. It looks like a bumble? It, it kind of does. It's <laughs> I, I may buy that one. It's not a Life Day Wookiee, but... You know, I question, as we are recording this, it is December 15th. Like, come on, Hasbro, get it together. <laughs> Especially with the way shipping is this year. Yeah, like, these are gonna, you're going to give, like, Valentine's Day. A furry, a furry kind of friend like that. So like Beth said, we're talking about the Life Day Treasury today, and we thought just for a minute, because uh, we didn't actually go into it too much last year. Last year, uh, Disney Plus put out a Star Wars Lego holiday special, not to be confused, of course, with the Star Wars holiday special. The, the Lego is very important. It's very important for letters to differentiate between the two things. And we had never really talked about it in depth, and I actually didn't watch it last year. So I've watched it this year, and I thought we could talk about it for a little bit. My first question is, is this the best version of Poe Dameron? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like sappy cry Poe. <laughs> Bad dad, uh, Christmas sweater Poe. Like, I don't know. Like, I really liked him in this. <laughs> More so than in the movies. You know, I like the idea that he's just kind of this dopey dude who happens to be the best pilot in the world, in the galaxy. Right. He could be the best pilot and still be an idiot in other ways. <laughs> see the last Jedi, um, and, and he never touches any spice, and he's never you know, and he's never made any mistakes ever. He's never, never had a question. They that this one pokes a lot of fun at all the movies. It does a lot more than I thought. Yeah, it pokes fun at the sequels a lot, but I have questions about that. So Yoda kind of sets us off with him. You know, uh, Yoda. Yoda uh, basically is acting as what Burl Ives destroyed. The First Order was eliminated. Were the Sith. Across the galaxy, peace had spread. With freedom restored, Life Day could once again be celebrated. What is Life Day, you ask? A holiday of friendship, of family, of connection. To Kashyyyk, Ray and her friends traveled to celebrate with Chewbacca and his family. Is this really about Life Day, though? <laughs> Or holidays, even I, the stuff on the Millennium Falcon is, but the yeah. rest of it is just like this weird. It's almost like they're going for like a not even a. It's a Wonderful Life. There's a little bit of that there. Yeah, and like a little bit of a, a Christmas Carol, I guess. A little bit of Back to the Future too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very like the two stories don't go super well together. Mm-mm. The idea, now according to James Waugh, who I believe is one of the writers on it, or one of the producers on it, 
yeah, it's one of the producers on it, said that um, the idea is that Rey is so focused on the burden of being the only Jedi in this new era and the duty of potentially passing on that knowledge that she's missing the point that there still needs to be time with your friends and family you've made. See, I see that at all. No. There's the stuff with her about, like, she needs to train Finn, Finn. better. And I don't understand. This is everything I'm supposed to be doing. Are you sure I'm ready to become a Jedi? Hand me the lightsaber. Guess not. The Jedi texts say that when we travel down a wrong path, we must search for another. I guess the lesson is be friends with your Padawan. Although we don't seem to be using that word anymore. That kind of was the lesson. Was that That's yeah. the weird thing when we get to it. Um, so one thing I wanted to point out was that this takes place after Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And in it, we see, again, obviously this isn't a canon thing, but we see Rey teaching Finn to be a Jedi. Like, this is actual... It's weird. Like, this is how we get it for the first time. <laughs> I, I One of the things I wanted to talk about with this is this isn't far off from just being a Star Wars story. It's not. I mean, it gets a little like madcap and goofy at certain times. But like Ray just kind of falls into the world between worlds, <laughs> which is something we already have in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's not dissimilar to that. Um, but yeah, so we actually get to see this post Rise of Skywalker world where you know, Babu Frick is hanging out with them there still for some reason. And, uh, and yes, and they're putting on a life day celebration. They're on Kashyyyk. They are. I think, yeah, they are because Poe has a, Poe has that, um, he has like a Wookiee for allergy that gets triggered. Yeah. And they talk at the end that it never snows on Kashyyyk and then it snows at the end. And, uh, they're waiting for Chewie's family to come which is going to be a theme for us tonight. Lightsabers down, you two. We've got a life day party to set up. Chewie's entire family is coming. And if there's one thing Wookiees love, it's, well, it's ripping arms off things. But if there's two things they love, it's arm ripping and parties. I was really hoping, because when Ma shows up, you know, she starts calling Chewie, where's my boyfriend? I wanted Mala to come in and like rip her arms off. (laughs) 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 We're like, oh no, friend. Yeah. That's it's a good point. He is married <laughs> or mated or soul bonded, whatever they call it. Whatever his, they kid, his kids are there. You can't be walking around saying that. Get off of him. Yeah, that's true. Moss shows up eventually at the end and Lando and everybody. I kind of. OK, one one criticism that I will lay at it. And I had the same problem with the Halloween episode is um, Seth MacFarlane's emperor is not the emperor. Stop. Everyone just now does an impression of Seth MacFarlane's emperor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just... <laughs> nice, right? Second Death Star. We built two of these bad boys. I know, and that's how we got the idea for Starkiller Base. Ooh, Starkiller. <laughs> Good name. Hey. Oh, you. Forgot you're still here. Skywalker is down in the forest moon of Endor. Go fetch. Fine. This it sh- it felt like it could have been out of Robot Chicken his sequence and I didn't I liked his sequence I liked the idea that he like meets Kylo and he's like hey you let's get rid of these other two idiots and like I thought that was fun all that stuff was fun but he sounded like Seth but he he was doing that same goofy Emperor yeah that Seth MacFarlane does I did like they used Sheev they, they said Sheev once <laughs> called him Sheevy yeah he Sheevy. called him himself yeah, old Sheevy Palpatine Galaxy's best Emperor. <laughs> This is actually pretty thoughtful. Why was I so mean about it? In fact, why am I always so mean? 
It's a life day miracle! Oh, that's it. That's it from now on. No more dark side. No more ruining the galaxy. Oh, Shimi Palpatine is gonna change his world! Yeah. No, I was I was a fan of that. I thought that was really yeah. cool. I did think him like being like, "Are you gonna throw me down a reactor?" <laughs> and he's like, "Nope." He's like, "All right, you're my man." <laughs> yeah. No, also, yeah, because you have all these Star Wars characters learning about their future, learning about the past, being able to go through your future. You know, Ray is inexplicably in the cockpit when Luke blows up the Death Star, which I don't think that physically works. Um, but okay, and they, she, you know, I, I mean, I, at first the idea is that she gets to peer in on other Master and Apprentice relationships, right? Is kind of where it starts. And it kind of goes wrong. <laughs> and then she has like this battle with lightsaber with uh, Darth Vader through like time and history and space, which was kind of crazy. I, I did think this scene on Hoth was funny with the two Vaders. Yeah. What are you doing? Follow me. But you're right there. That's not me. Sure looks like you. Helmet, chest buttons, heavy breathing. We are invading the rebel base. Forget the base. Stop the girl. You dare contradict me? I'm in charge here. No, I'm in charge. Yeah, the impressive and then most impressive line was pretty funny. (laughs) And they realized that they really are the same person. You're me. You're me. Yeah. I actually liked seeing Rose in it. Rose has more screen time than she does in Rise of Skywalker. It took me a minute to realize that that was Rose. Like her design, I don't know, doesn't look exactly right for some reason. And so it took me a minute to realize that was Rose. But she's wearing the necklace. So I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, one thing I did want to point out. I thought the animators did an amazing job recreating classic shots. from Star Mm -hmm. The Death Star scene. Yeah. Yeah. When the X-Wings... Uh, there's that shot of the X-Wings approaching the Death Star, opening their S-foils, like from the movie, which is a CG, which is a only a special edition shot, I think, or at least it's a special edition. It was enhanced in special edition. Uh-huh. I, I had to get up close to my TV to tell the difference, that it to see that it was actually made of Lego bricks. Yeah, I think that first section when they're kind of doing that, that almost felt like the animators being like, yeah, we really want to try this and show it. And I feel like I've <laughs> yeah. seen some of those in the game, but they didn't look that good. I did really, I think my favorite part was the Kylo Ren shirt off scene. <laughs> Supreme Leader, we've prepared the... Da, 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 da. <laughs> Shirts, I mean ships, to head to the pectoral locations. Uh, platoon, platoon locations across the midriff. Rim, rim, for the... Naval. Navy, Navy. You know what? I'll come back later. <laughs> Just Were they implying something about Hux? I'm not sure. It awfully kind it of seemed like they were implying it. something about Hux. Yeah. <laughs> like he was very, he was very, very distracted by Kylo's chest. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, it is distracting. Let's, let's be fair. Even, even if you're not attracted to it, it's distracting. It does draw the eye. Like, bruh, why are your nipples out? It does draw the eye. <laughs> I liked uh, when the pod race where they jump in and they get like, they're only in it for a second, but you get Saboba's pod. It just reminded me, say what you will about the prequels, but the sound design is so good. Like, Oh, the pods. Oh yeah. Oh, hearing his like Camaro sounding pod. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that is great. 
Well, they talk about that on the commentaries and stuff. Ben Burt talks a lot about how they got the how each pod got its own sound. They wanted them because they were all handmade. They wanted mm-hmm. to all sound different. Oh, okay. Another question. This came out after Rise of Skywalker, right? There's they go yeah. to Exegol in it. There's references to it. When we get to the end, why is there no mention of Ray being his granddaughter? They're do, they're talking all this family stuff. That's true. Right? And like grandpa and, and all these things. And he takes on his new apprentice. He's facing he Ray is with him. Never once comes up that she's the Emperor's granddaughter. <laughs> Did they just not want to spoil that little bit? Okay, she, I mean, they spoil so many other things. Yeah, this this came out last year. Yeah, so a year after Rise of Skywalker. Right. So they shouldn't really be worried about spoilers at that point. Maybe even they think it's stupid. <laughs> they don't want to remind people. So the lesson at the end we talked about seems to be um, in direct contradiction with old school Jedi. <laughs> yeah. It's all about connection. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> and one of their examples lit the other one on fire. <laughs> <laughs> they did they did use them as an example but yeah it was like it's all about connection i'm like actually sir it's not well i guess it i get well as we talked about those jedi fell so maybe they were wrong maybe mm-hmm. maybe it should maybe raise jedi order is going to be the future liberals want you know maybe raise jedi order is going to be that touchy-feely uh, jedi order where you're allowed to care for your fellow man <laughs> Well, like like Luke, she just gets to decide she's a Jedi Master and just decide the fate of the Jedi. If you're the only Jedi, you're a Jedi Master. Uh, you got ghosts around bossing you. Who's going to tell you otherwise? You know, Ghosts. You got Ghost Yoda popping up whenever he wants to. Got Yosuri, you had Ghost Luke and Leia. They seemed like they were going to leave her alone, though. This was my first time watching it, and I will say it was bigger than I thought it was going to be. I, I liked it when the, all the multiples of people started dropping in, the multiple Vaders and the, the many Obi-Wans. And all the troopers. And they all land on, uh, they all land at the moisture farm. And of course, the Obi-Wans give a nice hello there. Uh-huh. And, and Maul is just like, uh, hello? Yeah. <laughs> Maul's, yeah, because they go through the Phantom Menace and they catch Maul while he's falling with only half a body. And he comes down with them and they all land and Luke is drinking uh, blue milk from his little carton. They make Luke into just this. Honestly, they make Luke out to more who Luke probably would have actually been. <laughs> and, and both Han Solos decide to shoot first. Gunta, Gunta, Solos? You want to shoot first? After you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was good, too. I like they threw the McClunky joke in, too, because they know how stupid <laughs> it is. I mean, I'll give them credit. Like, they were, you know, they, they're, I mean, it's not savage, but they do poke fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it things that are fairly new. I mean, there's that moment where they run and they hop into the Mandalorian, and even Vader oozes and awes over Grogu. So cute. I I love that whole sequence. <laughs> what was the line? Um, oh, Poe, uh, reading it. Poe uh, sees Finn and Rose smiling and asks, "Why are they enjoying the biggest disaster since Jar Jar Binks' Galactic Senate speech?" <laughs> That was really good. I loved uh, I loved Max Rebo, like being the wa- the washed up musician. All <laughs> you can set up over there, Max. Um, what is Max Rebo doing here? No one's listened to him in like thirty years. We hired him to kick this party up. And isn't it the Max Rebo Seven? I mean, where are the other? You know, six. Oh, 
My condolences. <laughs> My favorite bad pun. The one that actually made me laugh out loud is when Lando was like, I hope it's a cape. I hope it's a cape. And then <laughs> it's a rabbit. <laughs> Yeah, it's a- <laughs> yeah and then so, I, I mean, that was pretty rough. I mean, I thought, oh, you're dead. <laughs> like- <laughs> um, yeah, I thought yeah, that's true. Uh, well, it was other. It was it wasn't Akbar. It was uh, other Moncals apparently that they just randomly invited to their Falcon party that happened to just get the Kashyyyk. Listen, I love Anakin and Obi Wan, but I don't know if they're the best models yeah. <laughs> for for how to do this. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'm not sure any of them are. No, they really aren't. <laughs> like maybe Qui Gon, Obi Wan. Yeah, you know. Although they had issues too. Yeah, well, they had issues, but neither one of them, you know, yeah, they didn't kill each other. But uh, yeah, and then it ends with everybody. Well, Ray has to take old, little Luke back to Tatooine, who learned a big adventure and got the. By BB-8, and then he. I love that they like she like dumps him back in his own timeline, and he just gets up like a like a boy idiot and picks up his milk and just starts drinking again. <laughs> like, and you're like 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 nothing happened whatsoever. I didn't like the fact that Zori gave Poe a kiss like under the mistletoe at the end because uh, they have a moment where where Zori kind of walks by him and ignores him like she does at the end of Rise of Skywalker, and in this she gives him a little mistletoe mistletoe kiss and i'm like no she's done with him look it's the office christmas party get a little eggnog a little carillion brandy yeah somebody slipped some spice in her drink that's way too cut that not doing that no 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 oh no i just i just meant that she was feeling festive sure <laughs> i didn't i didn't mean dark I thought it was good. I thought it was a little long. Um, yeah. I think I enjoyed the Halloween one a little more just as a special. Like, I think yeah. some of the jokes stuck a little better in this one, but as kind of an organized special, I think I like Halloween better. I was going to say this one had some good ideas, but there was a lot of chaos. I don't know. I I, I, I thought it was enjoyable. I got to see some, you know, I, I you get to see some impossible things, you know, certain characters meeting each other, Luke. Ray meeting young Luke and I, I, I enjoyed all those kind of mistaken identity jokes for some reason. And if our wish comes true, we'll spend Christmas Eve with you. Our hearts will sing with glee as we So at first, <laughs> I wasn't so sure about reading this book, but Ryan said we should do the time life, not the time life. We should do the <laughs> life date treasury. Spoilers. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> it was much better than I thought it was going to be. So the life date treasury is, as Beth says, written by George Mann and Kevin Scott with illustrations by a guy named Grant Griffin. Important to point that out because each story comes with a very, I think, Nicely painted picture to go with it. There are eight tales uh, about Life Day. I, I recommend if you can the hardcover because it gives it a nice kind of like Christmas book feel. So we have a prologue in which we learn that Life Day, while originally a Wookiee tradition, has spread throughout the galaxy as different winter holidays. Um, the Ewoks celebrate the winter fall, the Mon Calamari, the turning of the year's tide, 
And even the huts, those models of mirth and merrymaking, recognize the Festival of a Thousand Suns for like a day a year and stop trying to kill each other. So all these tales are going to be about Life Day or Life Day-like holidays around the galaxy. I am a little upset it wasn't all about Life Day. I feel like there's a war on Life Day. Is Life Day being canceled? I think so. (laughs) Yeah, it's possible. (laughs) Do you know who tried to cancel Life Day? George Lucas. That's true. That's who tried to cancel Life Day. So our first our first stop is in the High Republic for the first story, a, a Coruscant solstice. In the days of the High Republic, but before all the nasty stuff starts happening, newly appointed Jedi Council member Stellan Geos enjoys his first solstice celebration on Coruscant since he was a Padawan. While hanging out in the throngs of rev- revelers, he catches a small Godel boy picking pockets. He chases him into the city's lower levels, where he finds him surrounded by tufts, and it becomes clear that the boy has been stealing for a like, Fagin-like character. After scaring them away, Stellan makes the boy promise not to ever, 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 ever steal again, lets him go, but then changes his mind and goes to the boy's house where he meets the Godel's granny and has solstice dinner with them. It was nice to see the High Republic peaceful. Yeah, the, the only thing I wondered about, like, I don't know if I want there to be the lower levels in the High Republic. Like, you would think that some old Chancellor So would take care of as one of her great works. It's so big, though. There's no way. It, I mean, it's only a couple hundred years. Like, Coruscant's been yeah. building. There have to be lower levels because it's been building upward. Well, I just mean like the, the sad, poor lower levels. I don't think the New Republic is a utopia. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. The High Republic is a, I don't think the High Republic is supposed to be a utopia. I mm-hmm. think it's supposed to be, you know, a, a fairly more civilized time. Or, or what we thought is a happier time is turning out to be a fairly tragic time. This is a pretty standard holiday story, I would say. Little orphan boy picking pockets. Yeah. Dickensian, I guess. Well, things are about to be really bad for Stellan. They are. So it's nice. I, I thought it was nice to see him in a peaceful moment before shit gets real. Yeah. And a happy moment, too. I mean, he, he really enjoys solstice. He remembers the true meaning of solstice. Which is eating crappy food with people you don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I want to eat meat on the lower levels because I don't know where they got that from. Yeah. I guess my only problem with this story is that, like, he starts off as someone who loves the holiday and ends the story as someone who loves the holiday. Like, because it's got kind of a Scrooge ending ring where he shows up to the house, you know, like Scrooge Uh does. And there's no, like, it's not like he changed. He's a he's a good dude who likes Christmas, and then the next day he's a good dude who likes Christmas. I don't know. It felt like he didn't change at all. Yeah. If he was a little more grumpy about it being, but he was all ponies and balloons about it. So the second one is a story called An Old Hope. We find a little red astromech droid named LAR1. Did everybody figure out what it was supposed to be? Like his his like English name was? I couldn't figure it out. Larry. We'll call him Larry. Um, we find a little red estermate droid named Larry in the grungy streets of Mos Gofty on Tatooine. He is on his way to his master's homestead on the eve of the gathering of the clan celebration when he bumps into a gray-bearded, brown-robed man who calls him his little friend. I wonder who that was. I guess we'll never know. Uh, Larry is then ambushed and ionized by a Jawa and thrown into a sandcrawler. There, he gets into a conversation with the other droids, and they get to telling stories, including one about the Santa Claus-like oil bringer. Apparently, like, visits every droid in the galaxy that time of year and, like, I guess brings them power and oil or whatever. That night, inspired, Larry goes around while all the other droids are shut down and repairs them, topping off their batteries, oiling their joints at great expense to his own power supply. Then when he's basically on death's door, having given his life to prove to everyone else that the oil bringer is real... The sandcrawler stopped and the mighty and the roar of a mighty crate dragon can be heard. The Jawas bolt, because why wouldn't you? And the man in brown robes, damn it, who could it be? 
appears and rescues the little droid and tells him it's time to take him home. Do you like this one, Beth? <laughs> um, I am getting a little sick of a few tiny little gestures that Alec Guinness made in <laughs> the first movie becoming a defining characteristic of Obi-Wan. Him brushing his beard with his fingers and hello there is something that they do so often now. I'm afraid to see how often they do it in the TV series Kenobi. I do worry that they turn Obi-Wan into a quip quip machine at some point. Like, I don't think he's quite there and I don't mind the hello there thing because they kind of found that throughout the prequels, but I don't want, I don't want too many of them. Um, But you're right. It does kind of just kind of reek of a catchphrase, you know, but it's, it's a cute story. And overall, like a lot of these stories and it seems weird to say it is they remind me of Oscar Wilde's fairy tales because they're all very sweet, but they're also a little melancholy. Mm-hmm. No, they are. There's, there's, there's definitely like, there's a tradition in Christmas stories to have a little bit of sadness. And these definitely fit the bill. Uh, I, I, for one, am tired of this um, type casting of Jawas. Really would like to see some others. I never thought of Jawas stealing robots off the streets. Mm-mm. Like, they're more like scavenges like i don't right. see them like in town being like look there's one alone like predators <laughs> coming out of alleys yeah i agree with you that doesn't hold water to me yeah there's far more ruthless and and conniving than i would think jawas would be they're and brave it's braver yeah. than jawas would be <laughs> they're opportunistic they work in groups and groups of jawas going around stealing droids would catch somebody's attention i mean a jawas gonna get shot doing that right yeah, no, I agree with that. That's a good point. <laughs> Obi-Wan has one job. His whole life now is one job. Watch Luke. It's and a he's boring doing, job. He's doing a piss poor job of it. It's a he's, boring crap job. He's still got to come into town to eat. He's turning into droid Santa Claus. and <laughs> <laughs> It is funny that like... The whole the story the the take away all the holiday stuff take away the story of this is Obi Wan bumps into a droid in the street, and then sometime later saves it from a sand crawler. If you're Obi Wan, do you want to go back to the Lars house and listen to some more uh, rhetoric? Oh, from- he's not he's not invited. No, but he's he's kind of listening in. He's kind of hanging around the periphery, and he can hear. Owen screaming about. I just got this image of uh, Obi Wan like Samwise Gamgee at the window, <laughs> <laughs> dropping eaves. Yeah, just dropping some eaves. <laughs> I like to think from this time forward, after this story, at every market, there's now a droid dressed up as Obi Wan that other droids take pictures with during the Life Day season. <laughs> He's already got the beard. So, story three is a story called "The Kindling" uh, on the planet of Tavio the site of an imperial labor camp, two rebels are running for their lives. There are Twi'lek named Fanya and her comrade Rorik, who is a Petrolian, and I'm now realizing I didn't look up what that is. But but, uh, Rorik is wounded with a blaster bolt to the side. They are racing for the starport, uh, pursued by stormtroopers and an ATST, because they have just blown something up at the previously mentioned labor camp, some kind of distraction or terrorist attack. Uh, After running a while, Fanya sees something on, on like a tree and stops running. And there she tells Rorik about a holiday tradition they have back on Aloth. 
that involves bonfires holding back evil spirits, a Sith Lord, an old woman being kidnapped, and pouches full of moss and dust, and who knows what else uh, that these Tweelix use to create a giant wall of fire to defeat the Sith Lord. Never since then, they've carried these pouches as remembrances of that day. Fanya then reveals that she's been making her own pouch in that moment while the stormtrooper has been bearing down on them over <laughs> anyway, uh, and uses its detonation to blind the stormtroopers, allowing the two rebels to make their escape. I think they probably would have done better just running. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, this one was a little silly because in, in the time that she was doing this, they, they could have been gone. And, and you could have been telling this story in the safety of your spaceship as you're leaving. Well, and they keep saying, <laughs> if you get into the trees, the ATST can't get to you. And they're just like standing there. <laughs> you could blow stuff up and then tell why you knew to blow stuff up. Like, really, her story about this stuff doesn't have anything to do with anything when they reveal at the end that she knew because she read some stuff about the planet they're going to, she knew that they had things that would burn up. So really the, the, her story could have been, well, I did the reading. I read the mission brief mm. and learned about the planet. The end. I'm also kind of questioning this ecosystem that has trees that are covered in napalm starter, apparently yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. one flash of lightning and that place is gone. Now, listen, it is funny. It, like, it's supposed to be funny when when uh, the Twi'leks like, no, telling the story and her buddy's like, we have to get out of here. What are you doing? Like, so it's supposed to be funny. But there comes a point where it does strain credulity. And you're like, we're spending a lot of time just sitting still. And he would have just dipped. He'd have been like, well, uh, good luck with your pouch. I got to go. Like, why don't you lead with I'm making a bomb? Right. Lead with that. And then. If I say think that's a reasonable course of action, then you can tell me the story. And if we survive, uh, tell me the story. Yeah, tell me the story later. But for now, let's concentrate on the on, on the making of the bomb. But build the bomb now. Talk later. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. Now, one of my favorites, story number four, the crew lock. I, somehow I knew there was going to be an Ewok story in this book. It is winter on the sanctuary moon, a time when the Ewoks gather around fires and tell each other tales that are no longer canon. <laughs> they, do, they do mention the Ewok movies in this. We focus on Wicket, his brother Weechi, his future wife, the princess, the princess Nisa, and Wicket's best buddy Tebow. Uh, Low Gray's in it. Chief Chirp is in it. Wicket's dad Deej is in it. It's like an all-star Ewok lineup. Uh, I, I, the only thing it doesn't have is that dude with the axe that got killed in the Ewok adventure. Anyway, Wicket is jealous of his older brother and sets off into the Forbidden Woods with Tebow and a very stubborn Nisa to track and capture the legendary Krulok monster. Uh, they set a trap for it, but instead they wind up catching only Weechi, who had come out to scare them. But then they hear the awful sounds of the, and they realize they are being pursued by the real Krulak, and the Ewok children run like living hell. Except for Wicket, who wants to stay and fight, but Nisa makes it very clear to him that he's being an idiot, and she's not attracted to idiots, and he has to run. At the end, it is revealed that the Krulak was actually a prank being pulled by Chirpa and Logray, which was a prank that was pulled on them by their fathers and their fathers before them. I just like seeing all the Ewoks. <laughs> the lesson is kids are jerks. And guess what? So are adults. <laughs> I just love that. I loved seeing all the Ewok names. Mm -hmm. Wicket had heard the stories of the frost in the pat of the past. Of course he had. 
Such snowfall was the stuff of legend for the Ewoks of the Bright Tree Village. Stories told around campfires alongside tales of the terrible Gorax and the malevolent witches of Tulga Heights. That is the Ewok Adventures 1 and 2. <laughs> <laughs> this reminded me of an episode of the cartoon. Yes. This is easily an episode of the cartoon, right? Yeah, I could definitely see like this playing out on like currently on a Lego thing with like Low Gray and Chirpa laughing at the end and I don't think Deej was Deej on the animated show. I'm not sure he was. Um, but Misa is exclusively from the animated show. Deek so is Weechi. They were not in the Ewok Adventures movie. So it's kind of a mix of characters from both of those things. They really did just take like all the most famous Ewoks and put them in here. I can't think of yeah. They could have got real dark and be like, and Weechi fell in the pit and broke his neck. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> they could have. I mean, Weechi seems like a real dick. <laughs> he really does. I don't appreciate Nisa playing with Wicked's heart. Just be. I think she's very, her intentions are very clear. <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't care about Weechi. The song of winter's heart. Uh, Rel and Max are best friends who love playing in the snow together during this time, the time of year as winter's heart, which is Alderaan's version of life day. They also like singing Christmas. I mean, winter's heart carols together when they grow up. Rel goes to college in state, but Max goes off to the Imperial Academy. Later, after the destruction of Alderaan, I don't remember if it tells us why Rel wasn't there, but anyway, after the destruction of Alderaan, Rel joins the Rebel Alliance to get vengeance. On an outer rim moon known as the Shard, they run into each other again, this time as Rebel and Stormtrooper. They don't even consider killing each other and sit down and have a nice talk reminiscing about the old days, celebrating Winter's Heart, a tradition that won't die with Alderaan. Then they part ways, Imp and Rebel, best friends who will always be such, even when they're enemies. All right, let's get this out of the way right now. They're a couple, right? Yeah. Right. I, I saw Lost. It was absolutely Lost Stars, but they they made it a different relationship. I almost called this Claudia Gray's The Song of Winter's Heart. <laughs> They're totally a couple. It's Lost Stars, but they they made a they made a gay couple. They're very least broke back mountain. There there was some tension. When they were rolling yes. in that snow, because there was there was it was way too awkward for some straight dudes who were like bros. And you know, I don't care how good of friends I am with somebody. If you were part of the team that blew up everyone I knew, I'm taking the shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I did have a problem because the enormity of the the, the crime. Like I don't even talk to people who voted for Trump, but the enormity of the crime. <laughs> committed with the destruction of Alderaan, I will say is worse than anything Donald Trump has done thus far. I mean, it's kind of, I know we were friends with her younger. You know who else I liked when I was younger? My mom. Bang, bang. (laughs) (laughs) He did say he lost his entire family. Did they say why he was off planet? No. They didn't, right? No, they didn't mention it. You know, this is kind of inspired by, is it, was it a World War One or World War Two story, right? About the the Christmas uh, armistice? Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I absolutely read uh, this and thought of the movie A Midnight Clear, which is, I think, the same thing. Yeah. I think it's it's based on that. Yeah. Yeah. Keith Gordon movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like stories of like in the Civil War, they would get together and play baseball or in World War II. Yeah. They'd stop to have like a soccer game on the holidays. Like nobody wants to shoot each other on Christmas. It comes very close to a there's good folks on both sides argument. I have a hard time with that sometimes (laughs) because they are fascist stormtroopers for an evil government. I mean, they said Max was hurting, so he felt bad about it. That totally <laughs> yeah, makes him feel bad about the Death Star, about Alderaan. Yes. The problem is that we've got a little snippet of a story here, so we don't know what yeah. what Max is really feeling or thinking. So 
I have a hard time feeling sympathetic towards him because I never understand his reasons for joining up. It's just like all of a sudden he's a stormtrooper. Like, wait, what? I couldn't imagine a stormtrooper singing a holiday song to himself. Like, would it come out with the, the, the distortion? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be terribly festive. The spirit of life day. This one's kind of a crazy one. On the planet Monta in a hamlet called, okay, help me out, Odestown or Town. It's not Otisburg. Yeah. That's from like uh, Superman, right? Yeah, I think it's um, Odestown. Odestown. Life Day has become a day to dread, not celebrate. During the Clone Wars, an army of battle droids had attacked the village, leaving a trail of devastation and death in their wake. Ever since then, on each Life Day, the dead of Odestown rise from their graves to haunt the living survivors. When this happens, it gets all windy and stuff, and you can see the ghosts of the dead in the streets, and it's real crazy, and you can hear the battle sounds, and, and you can hear battle droids marching through the streets. Uh, so everyone, when this happens, everyone just stays inside and locks the door. But a young girl named Emmy is about to buck that practice because her pet Vorpak, her pet Vukpak, Hecta, has run away, and Emmy is going to find him. And the little girl and her pet, you do not want to separate those. Her parents forbid her, but she sneaks out anyway into the terror that is life day. She finds uh, her pet amongst all the ungodly wind and moaning and battle sounds and ghosts and eventually comes face to face with the spirit of a Bith, who eventually, after some scares, explains to her that the ghosts weren't coming to scare the village. They were coming to remind them to live because they were so sad to see how they had been celebrating life day since the massacre. Learning this, Emmy gets everyone to come out of their street, stop being afraid and celebrate life day the way it's meant to be. They could have told them before how how hard if these ghosts can talk to you, how hard would it have been right away to come out and tell them? <laughs> yeah, I feel like celebrate life day versus yeah. <laughs> they, they talk about the people who've been taken. What, what happened to them? What happens to the people who are caught out and that have disappeared? They're, they're just off. That's true. They do mention that, right? Right. So where where are they? What happened to those guys? These are completely benevolent beings. You weren't <laughs> celebrating good enough. We are killing you. Yeah, yeah, that is strange. Maybe it's just maybe it was just legends that people would vanish, but no one actually maybe. knows anyone who vanished. Maybe they aren't super clear about it. I think if I lived in Odestown, I'd be hitting grandma's house every life day and be like, oh, I'll be back in two weeks. I'm not <laughs> hanging around. Yeah. Why would you even <laughs> exactly? Why would you stick around? I just thought it was interesting. She gets to the end and she has a very lucid conversation with a ghost. And the ghost is like, oh, man, we weren't doing this to scare you. My bad. We were just trying to get you in the spirit. A uh, 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 life day. Ooh, we've seen <laughs> ghosts that aren't force users. That aren't force users. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of questions about the afterlife in Star Wars now. <laughs> well, these people's collective imagination brought a droid deactivated, destroyed droid army to life. So they just have really good imaginations in this village. Maybe it's sitting on like a Kyber mine or something, you know, it's very. One thing I did think they talk about the Bith smiling. I want to see a Bith smile. Oh, it sounds <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> It'd be like the gentleman on Buffy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Number seven, we get the romantic comedy of the bunch. Reflection Day. On the pilgrim moon of Jeddah, you've heard of it, uh, once per year on the holiday known as Reflection Day, which is more of a New Year's than a Christmas, according to George Mann in an interview I saw. Um, those faithful to the force come to look upon the famous Kyber mirrors at the temple, which are said to reveal a person's true path in life if gazed upon. 
Zalo doesn't believe in any of that farther shit. He's a slacker, a drifter, a hapless layabout, one might say, and his parents have insisted that he come into the holy city and look into the mirrors to figure out what the criff to do with himself. Uh, once he gets there, he meets a cute girl named Kazmira, who saves him from getting run over by a big creature. Uh, Kazmira is a true believer in all this forced nonsense. They have a very nice talk in which she convinces him to just try to look, look to just try looking in the mirrors to see what happens. After they part, Zalo immediately regrets letting her walk away. Zalo goes to the Kyber mirrors and after waiting for what seems like a very long time, peers into them, yearning to see his path. At first, he sees nothing. He was right. This is all just mumbo jumbo. But then who should appear in the reflection? But Kazmira. Zalo turns around and she's really there. And he asks her out because she is his path. So on three, one, two, three. Oh, is this the most is this like the most is this the first Star Wars meet cute? I will tell you exactly what this is. This is the Star Wars Hallmark movie <laughs> where yes. a rich boy meets a small town girl and realizes they movie. aren't so different after all. This is absolutely all, all it was needed is one of them had to be an artisanal like cheesemaker. Exactly. And she might be. We don't know her that well. <laughs> You're absolutely right. This is a this is the uh, this is the Hallmark special. I will say, here's one thing I liked about this one. I did not expect it to end with like a romantic comedy twist. Like I was waiting and waiting and waiting and you get to the end and it's just like, oh, he met a cute girl. Yeah, I didn't expect that to be his path. That's not normally somebody's path. <laughs> yeah, but it's romantic. Is you know? a chick. A chick is your path. He needs to be careful. She just keeps popping up. She's clearly stalking him. <laughs> <laughs> she does keep running into her in a very large celebration. I don't know. I, 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 I enjoyed it. Like I said, I was I was actually surprised by the ending because I was expecting something a little grander. Instead, we got something very mundane, which was kind of sweet. I don't know what it has to do with Life Day. Although, like you said, with hol- there is a tradition of linking holiday movies and romance and things like that, I guess. So maybe, maybe it is supposed to be their version of Love Actually. Then we get... The Tree of Life, not Terrence Malick's Tree of Life. It's a great movie, but The Tree of Life. Finally, we get to Kashyyyk. This whole damn book is called The Life Day Treasury. We finally, in our last story, get to Kashyyyk. Uh, And more of Chewbacca being an absentee father. It is Life Day, real Life Day. And, uh, okay, you got to help me out. How do we pronounce Atichikuk? Atichikuk? Itchy. Itchy. Why even trying? Okay, so Itchy's family... (laughs) uh, his daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law Mala, and his uh, grandson Lumpy are getting ready for the night ceremonies. Lumpy is a grumpy as hell adolescent with father issues, which makes him a pretty legit Star Wars protagonist. Lumpy is mostly grumpy uh, because his father, who is out trying to save the galaxy and hasn't shown up for yet another life day. Oh, and don't call him Lumpy anymore. He, and by I mean Lucasfilm, has decided that Lumpy is a stupid name and wants to go by Waru now. And with this being 2021, I will honor his name change but I admit I will always, he will always be lumpy in my heart. A lot of brooding happens, and then during the Life Day ceremony, Waru walks off with one of the blue Life Day orb things, still pouting, and he drops it and shatters it, and he is even more bummed, and should be, because those things are sold out on Hasbro Plus, <laughs> and we can't find them anywhere. But anyway, then, miracle of miracles, who arrives? Chu, mother, Frack, and Baka, Waru's dad. Han Solo's there, too. Uh, Chewie teaches Waru to make a new Life Day blue orb thing and to paraphrase god bless us everyone chewie's a terrible dad we have to come to terms with that yes but how how long do wookies live itchy is like 
five, almost 500. So, you know, you now miss. How old is Itchy? No, he, he is in this story. They say he's 470 something. So he's almost 500. So he's old. So Chewie's like in his 30s? Yeah. And, and Lumpy is a 12 or something. He's, he's a tween who's getting pissy about the things tweens get pissy about. I'm sorry. He likes to go by Waru now. <laughs> But just like with the Ewok one, I liked seeing a more serious version of these characters from the original Star Wars special. Uh-huh. Well, a- any version that isn't that <laughs> version is good. Where's V. Arthur? We're eventually watching. Next Christmas. Next Christmas, we'll watch the OG one. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. But we'll just talk about the 70s commercials. I thought it was interesting. Did you notice they don't let Chewie talk? They all oh, talk, yeah. but Chewie does yeah. not. Yeah, they interpret, the sh- they, they interpret the Shiri Rook. Mm-hmm. Uh, they interpret that, uh, yeah, through the whole book in English, which is disconcerting in the, in the first place. To, to see Wookiee speaking what appears to on the page to be English is really weird. But then you're right. When Chewie shows up, they don't give him any lines. Yeah, Han kind of talks for him. <laughs> which is which makes sense in the movies, but we just watched the Wookiees talking a whole bunch. <laughs> Not when you're like talking to your wife. <laughs> like you show up to your wife for the first time in however long. And your scummy best friend is talking for you. <laughs> does he talk at all or we just don't hear him talk, right? Uh, I think, no, I think he does talk and it's just a, uh, it's just lumpy going and then dad said some stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's paraphrased, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And no, I don't know how um, their language is pronounced because that's not something that I've heard in an audiobook. I know how to pronounce the cities. <laughs> Oh, I saw it. I know how to pronounce other things. Shrook. I don't know, man. It's all made up bullshit. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's an official pronunciation guide somewhere. The the people who know better than us are probably not listening to correct us or will not bother to correct us. So I liked this uh, Life Day Treasury. Yeah, I really liked it. It's cute. I like, I was going to give it to my my eight year old and see if she wanted to read some of the stories. I liked it better than I thought I would. Yeah, I definitely thought like if my kids were younger, like I could definitely see reading these. My eight-year-old would tear through this, probably. Mm-hmm. Could we see them doing more books like this, or is this just kind of a one-off type of thing? Like, should they do more holidays, or is this just kind of fun because it's a life day? Thing? I don't think I see them do any other holiday, like different holidays, but I could definitely see them doing more life day treasuries. Like, I'd love to have a little set. Make the next one red. When, is, when does Kevin Scott sleep? I was wondering that, because even if he just wrote that one story and just kind of skimmed over the others... He's got a lot going on. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the shop, the toy-making droids had each come to a stop. The toys and the gifts had been stacked up with care in the hope that S. Claus would himself soon be there. All over the world, children old, children young were asleep as they dreamed of the stockings they'd hung. With a smile on their faces, all snug in their beds, as visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. What are we going to read next time, Ryan? The time has finally come. <laughs> we will be reading probably the longest book that we've done so far. The final Ascendancy Thrawn, Lesser Evil by Timothy Zahn. Get ready. Oh, oh boy, it's a read. Where's your pun? Oh, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It after. is a read. <laughs> it is. It is, and it demands you remember what happened a lot in the last three books, and 
It is great. Or to at least look it up. Yeah. <laughs> I I did have on my computer for like the whole week I was reading it. I had the uh, Wikipedia page up for the last book. So I could just like keep going back and going like, oh, okay. All right. All right. And then run back. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I thought that it might be good for me to get the audiobook so that I could hear the audiobook and be looking other stuff up at the same time. But then I saw a 23 hour audiobook. Yep, and I'm listening to it for the second time right now. <laughs> I have I have never I don't have any Star Wars books that are longer than ten hours on Audible. I can't imagine there's a longer Star Wars book. I think there it's gotta be the- there's two. I think one of the Jedi Academy books is this long. I looked it up. There's two that are a little bit longer than this, but not Was much. The Unifying Force? It might be. Which was the finale of New Jedi Order? That was a pretty thick book. They are nowhere as dense as this book. It is family politics and confusing names, and it is great. It's great. It's a lot. We're going to need a little extra time to kind of wrap our heads around it. But it it is very complex, and I think Timothy Zahn has finished his masterpiece with this. But, man, Ryan said, get ready, man. Buckle up. It is a book. It is. Yeah. It's a book and a half. Yeah, but I flew through it. Yeah, that's the thing is I couldn't stop reading it. It's not that it didn't. I didn't go through it fast, but I couldn't stop reading it. Well, and that's that's it. why I haven't finished it yet, because I do a lot of reading at night when I'm getting ready to go to sleep and I, I lay in bed and I read for a little while. And I know that if I read a book like this, I will not put it down. I will never get to sleep. And I will have a really bad day the next day. So I've been reading it very slowly. And I think I just need to just go for it and read it really fast a couple times, maybe three times. I can read really fast three times before we come back. But I do want to try to get through it a second time before we talk about it. Well, speaking of, we have plenty of time before we talk about it because we're going to take a little breaky break for the holidays and enjoy time with people and and places and things that we haven't gotten to do in a while and also the new high republic book (laughs) and the new higher we're going to spend some time with the high republic guys i'm still worried about bell just let me get through christmas everyone is in real 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 danger (laughs) gonna start 2022 with a bang i think but first but first i think we're gonna have a nice conversation about thrawn and we'll do that in about a month All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we will talk to you all soon. And happy Life Day and many happy holidays to everyone.
have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh. Roger, roger.